the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Sinative Outlook Securities and Advisory Services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Recording Jones is in progress. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and affiliated with Satira. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Well, it is time for another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And here he is in studio looking nice and dapper today. Larry Rosenthal, good morning, sir. Well, good morning, Chris. And how are you today? I see you clapping too, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Got a long story here. That's okay, though. <laughs> well, we have plenty of time, Larry. Come on. We do. We do. We have an hour, right? Well, here goes the story. You know, last week we were we were traveling, and, um, you know, you even made a comment. I wasn't shaved. I looked a little, you know, tired. I uh, heard it from a good friend of mine, too, and my mom. And so today I thought, you know what? I'm putting on the jacket. That's right. You know, Shave, put on the jacket, and I'm in the studio live. There we go. It's the weekend. You look good all the time to me, man. Yeah, I don't know about that. But anyway, <laughs> good morning, everyone, and welcome to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. Uh, you know, again, like to l- welcome our longtime listeners on LarryRosenthal.tv on YouTube. You can check us out streaming the show live as, as well as our listeners on WAVA in the D.C. Baltimore area, 105.1 FM, and our national listeners on Sirius. XM channel 131 Family Talk, Sirius XM nationwide, border to border, coast to coast, ocean to ocean, whatever you say there, Chris, sea to shining sea, right? There you go. So, hey, it's open mic Saturday, which I just love because no holes barred. Whatever's on your mind today regarding the economy, inflation, mortgages, uh, retirement planning, estate planning, taxes, investments, mutual funds, ETFs, stocks, whatever's on your mind. Give us a ring today. Insurance, whatever's on your mind today at all regarding your complete financial uh, plan, your financial well-being. 
covering the three phases of financial planning, accumulation, distribution, legacy planning, tax efficiency, product efficiency, the whole nine yards. Give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Again, 855-767-3123. Well, we had a great webinar list last week, didn't we? we had, I was just going to mention that before we got started. What you say? The webinar you did this last week was really good. We did, but before we get into anything on, on, on all that, Chris, I'd like to take a moment and just wish everybody happy Easter, oh, yeah. happy Easter weekend, you know, for sure. Uh, today is, 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 is the middle day, yep, and, and Sunday's right around the corner, and it's fact, he is risen. Jesus Christ mm-hmm. is risen, so, mm-hmm. so uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Praise the Lord. Yeah, we did do a webinar last week, but before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about where the markets are, what's going on, the announcement that came out of the administration late yesterday afternoon. The markets were closed. An announcement came out Friday afternoon late. Not a lot of people have seen this, but we'll get into that, too. And that could help qual down inflation a little bit, you know. Listen, we've been in communication. We are in communication often, all the time, week in and week out, day in and day out, with major Wall Street uh, firms. We talk to their fund managers. We talk to their analysts. We talk to their economists. And here's what's going on. Some of them are saying, possible recession next year, and some of them are saying, not so fast. We don't see it. So what's going on? And it's the same story again. It just gets getting, it just keeps getting replayed and replayed and, and, and um, twisted and drifted from the core. And you take a look at different things, and you've got to look at the numbers. You've got to dig down into the numbers. Bureau of Labor Statistics sends these numbers out all the time. As a matter of fact, we've got a heavy thing this week coming up on Thursday. Powell's going to speak. The, the chair of the Fed is going to speak on Thursday. You know, and he's going to and the beige book comes out this week and another Fed chair, another Fed uh, uh, person is 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 officials going to speak this week as well. So we're going to get some heavy Fed language this week. We've got earnings coming in as well. You know, so so we've got to really say what's going on here. And this is what I've been telling people for a long time now. This is going to be a month by month scenario. What is inflation doing? What's going on? And, And again, we're starting to see some of this demand destruction that we've talked about. What I mean by that is, is you, you take a look at this, this the, the last report here uh, in, in inflation. You know, while inflation rose for the March number this past week came out, it was at 8.5% in March. Prices in the U.K., by the way, are up 7%. However, the news isn't all that bad when you break it down and take a look at, quote-unquote, the core inflation. Core inflation strips out the volatile food and energy price section, and, and core inflation modestly slipped downward. It slipped downward. So, so you know, in light of, of high inflation readings during the second quarter, the number of economists uh, o- over the past year expect CPI readings that what they're saying right now as a result of Tuesday's number last week is that they think inflation peaked in March. So if that's the case, if inflation actually peaked last in, in March last month, we could see inflation sort of plateau along here and then start to cascade down, and that's what the markets are looking for. The markets are looking for the Fed to be able to tighten and lower the inflation along with demand destruction, which is some of the things that we've started to see here, and then as a result, 
there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. And, 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 and the hope is that the Fed doesn't tighten too much and push us into a recession. And we're not going to know that for, for months down the road, okay? It's not time yet uh, as far as all that goes. So the inflation numbers that came out the other day were, well, here, here's the bottom line, okay? We may be moving away from inflation being high and rising, high and rising, and we're moving to inflation being high and falling. Now, that's not perfect, but it's a whole lot better than continuing to rise, right? And so that's what we're starting to see now. Now, one month does not make a trend. We'll wait till the second week of May and see what the April numbers bring. But, but it looked pretty positive from that standpoint. And in addition to that, you've got earnings, right? You've got earnings. You, 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 U.S. retail sales uh, for February came out the other day. Uh, they were up uh, 0.5 in March. And I'm sorry, in February, they were revised up to 0.8, so excluding the 8.9% jump in gas prices, you know, retail sales declined last month by 0.3, and that's where you're starting to see the consumer contract a little bit. That's the demand destruction. So a combination of you and I as the consumer pulling back because prices are too high, again, parentheses, one of the best things for inflation is high prices because people slow down their spending, right? Um, you know, break parentheses, you know, so, so a combination between consumers slowing a little bit but not stalling and giving up and the Fed tightening could could present a soft landing, and that's the debate. That is the great debate, and we don't know. We're not going to know about that until midsummer time, you know, July, August time frame, the dog days of August, if you will, Chris, right, as far as all that goes, you know. But, but late Friday afternoon, uh, the administration made a, a big announcement. A big announcement. And here it is. The Department of Interior announced Friday that they will resume the sale of oil and gas leases on federal land beginning next week. Oh, wow. So that is a reversal of policy. Now, it's interesting, you know, in, in, in a statement uh, made by the American Petroleum Institute, they expressed concern over whether the move's going to add new and different type barriers to energy production. They're going to have to wait and see how it turns out because apparently there's some different types of restrictions on different parcels of land. But, you know, this could be a good thing, you know, so we're going to have to wait to see how it turns out if this will, in fact, reduce inflation pressures or if it's window dressing, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll wait and we'll find out. But that is a big shift. That's a, that's a big thing. So that could definitely help out a lot. And, and uh, you know, we're, not, we're definitely not out of the woods by any means at all. Now's not the time to readjust risk. Now's the time to sit here and go, well, wait a second here. You know, if inflation does come down, it, it, it will come down either naturally and with the Fed's help and produce a soft landing or tip into a recession. E either way, inflation is going to come back down again, uh, you know, as, as far as that goes. But consensus seems to be, you know, the markets are going to have a good rebound in the second half of the year. Now, there's no guarantee to anything like that by any means, but the people that are forecasting all this stuff are, is, is, you know, that seems to be recovery zone, this, the, you know, the second half of the year in, in the fall and, and, and things like that. So. Uh, so good news on, on that type of, uh, you know, on the economic front. By the way, earnings are coming in now. You know, we're in earnings season. The next quarter, <clears throat> April, May, and June, we will be reporting the first quarter earnings. 
And so far, only 7% of the S&P 500 companies have reported thus far in, in April right now for the first quarter, again, uh, January, February, and March um, of the first quarter. But it looks like earnings are up, which is good. You know, so blended earnings, which combines the, the reported data and estimates for those that haven't yet reported, seems to be growing at about 5.2%, and sales are rising just under 11%. So that's good news. That's positive earnings growth. You know, re remember, you know, that, that it's all about corporate profits anyway, right? That's the number one reason why people buy stock to begin with. And if, if we can see inflation trick, trick, trick down a little bit and corporate profits still being steady and grow. Now, corporate profits are coming down from the accelerated numbers that we saw when the economy first reopened again, and that's by design. We, we knew that. You can't sustain corporate earnings at 30%, you know, quarter over quarter. That's just crazy. But as time goes on, 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025, we're going to see corporate earnings get back down to more of a normal economic situation and inflation cascade down to more of the Fed's targeted range, you know. And right now, when you look at core inflation, it's running at 6.7% and the Fed's targets at 2 Okay, so that that's the gap right there as far as all that goes. So so it, this is progress. We're making progress towards this. So so that's pretty much the deal there. So and I know Chris, you you wanted to talk about the Roth uh, webinar that we oh, just yeah, had. Yeah, yeah. We had people from all over the country on this. We did a Roth webinar. It was kind of a combination of a market update and a Roth webinar all at the same time. Last week, we had a couple of sessions uh, from noon to 1 and then 6 to 7 p.m. We'll be, stay tuned. We'll be doing that again, uh, but a different subject matter. As, as, you know, and, and since the market has been so volatile, pretty much every couple of weeks or so, I've been doing a, a market update, and now I'm tying it together with, with uh, some financial education as, as well on it. And so we'll be doing that in the, you know, in the next couple of weeks or so. Stay tuned. As a matter of fact, if you're not on our email list to receive that, because these webinars are free, then you can go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Sign up for our newsletter. We also send out a weekly market, and it's pretty detailed, a weekly market commentary each and every week. You can check it out at LarryRosenthal.com right there. So we're going to take a quick break here. Let's open up the phone lines. It's open mic Saturday. Any questions at all on the economy, the markets, your 401K, the government TSP, what's happening in your financial world, give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. There are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. 
CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Delivering sound financial advice you can depend on. You found the Larry Rosenthal Show. Call now with your questions, 855-767-3123, or stop by LarryRosenthal.com. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123. To talk to Larry Rosenthal here in studio, that's 855-767-3123. Larry. Sure, Chris. Let's go ahead and welcome Joe on the line from Virginia. Good morning, Joe. How are you today? Great. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you, sir? I have a question. I have a, um, a mom who's uh, 74 years old, and she's talking about retiring this year. Um, she's already been collecting Social Security, but last year um, we sold. she sold a house. And she's got some money from that. So I'm just trying to think of the best way to invest that money from the house that she'll have, like, um, some additional money uh, long term. So what do you think is, like, the best way or the safest or what's your uh, opinion on that? Well, the best way is to do it based off of what her needs are. Does she need to garner an income from it, first of all, is the first question, right? Uh, If she needs it, go ahead. Yeah, if she needs to get an income from it, then we need to invest it according to, uh, you know, the type of income that she needs. If she doesn't need an income from it, then we need to really find out what her goals are with it. You know, what what does she want to do? Does she want to, um, you know, experience shows that, that a lot of times when, when um, uh, people of your mom's age receive money from the sale of a house or maybe another inheritance or something like that, Sometimes they don't need the money. Sometimes they need a portion of it for, for income needs. Um, sometimes they want to invest it in such a way that it, that it can be designed for an inheritance for her kids or her grandkids. So those are some of the questions that we need to ask. We also need to ask the question, too, God forbid, if something were to happen to her, will she need this money to care for her should she have a nursing home situation arise, things like that. So that's really the first set of questions that we need to ask. As far as investing the money goes, you know, do, do you want it, uh, again, if it's a long-term thing for an inheritance purpose or for income, those are two different distinct goals and objectives. So that's the thing that we yeah. have to really boil down and ask, Joe. Okay. Have you, have you talked to her about that? Yeah, I, I, so what I, because she, she didn't really know what to do with money, so she was, um, you know, she asked me, and I, I, I was thinking about the money um, for now just to, you know, for it to be like a supplement to her. You know, she doesn't need a lot. She's got Social Security. Um, my dad passed away, so she's got a little bit of money there. So, I, you know, she doesn't need a whole lot. Um, but yeah, so if, make you, sure. if, you, if you need, a, if you need a, uh, a supplemental income, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's 100 or 500 or 2000 a month, what, whatever it may be, 
there's different ways to go about doing that. One way is it's okay. called a systematic withdrawal program, where okay. you, you put a, a certain amount of dollars into a mutual fund that's specifically designed for you to pull a fixed amount out each month. Let's say you put money in to the mutual fund, and you're going to say, we need $1,000 a month. And so you okay. pull $1,000 a month out of that mutual fund, right, which is 12000 yep. a year. So each time you pull the money out of the mutual fund, you're actually selling off some of the shares. But the mutual fund is designed so that each quarter or year it's paying a dividend or capital gains back into the fund, and that sort of replenishes the shares that you sold off to, to yeah. harvest that $1,000 each month that you pull out. That's okay. one way to do it. Another way to do it is to just simply put the money into certain types of bonds, okay, uh, whether it's individual bonds or a bond fund and receive the interest from them. Or the, another way is a combination of stocks as well. There are some stocks out there that are paying very nice dividends, you know, 5, 8, 10, 10% or so, uh, you know, and, and there you put stop losses underneath them. Should, should the stock start to drop, it sells you out and protects you there. So there's a, a combination of ways. There's also annuities. Um, and then there's other strategies in, in, in the marketplace, too, that will enable you to, to create cash into the account as well. So, so that's really what we have to do is we have to sort of sit down and take a look at what the goals are first um, and, and, and then look at what the needs are and the tax efficiency that needs to be needed as well, you know, because your mom's on Medicare to make sure that her income's a certain level before she gets into a penalty phase with Medicare and has to pay additional costs. So, so there's a handful of things there. If you like, okay. Joe, I'd be happy to put you on hold, and Bob can get some of your contact information. We can have one of our advisors reach out to you next week and sort of take a deeper dive for you and your mom in that conversation. That'd be great. Thank you. Yep. Let me put you on hold here, Joe. appreciate the phone call. Sure. Happy Easter, by the way. We'll have someone give, uh, give you a call. Just hold for a second, and Bob will get on the phone with you in just a second. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's welcome Carlos on the line from Texas. Good morning, Carlos. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. How are you? Good. How can I help you, sir? I was just encouraged a little bit by your statement regarding the peaking of inflation earlier in your uh, in your show. and. And that's, it is encouraging, but how do we sustain that? Um, and, of course, for every theory or conclusion, there's one to the contrary. But in, in macro terms, I suppose, uh, what do we, where do we see ourselves in six to eight months? Is this something that's going to continue its decline as far as inflation, or are we going to continue having in, uh, kind of slightly different note employment issues, which might continue to exasperate that, or – what should we do politically as well? Should we continue along the path that we're on right now, current policies? Just trying to get your opinion on what we should do collectively as citizens, uh, politically, and with regards to what can we expect in six to eight months. Well, that, that's a very detailed question, so let's, let's try and unpack some of that there. You know, the, the question is, has inflation peaked? That's the question. I didn't say it did. Um, I, I think it's going to peak midsummer, actually. But but I'm hoping I'm wrong, <laughs> right? So so you know that the, the inflation number came out the other day, and and now people are starting to say maybe this did peak. That's what the question is. And so where do I see us in in six to eight months? 
Inflation's going to come down, but it's not going to come down to pre-pandemic levels. In other words, from 2008, basically, through 2020, we've had inflation tracking, for the most part, below 2%. The Fed's been trying to get it up to 2% because, you know, 1.8%, 2%, 2.1%, that's a healthy growing economy. And while our economy's been growing and expanding and the market's going up, we've had trouble getting inflation up, you know, to 2%. Now it's much higher than that, and so the Fed's going to try and slow the economy enough to get it back down to its target level of 2%. So where, I, where do I see us as far as, as that goes? We've got a few things that are happening right now, too. Okay? We've, got the, we've got supply chains that are being stretched a little bit more now because of the lockdowns in China again, all right? because of COVID-19 is, is reappearing over there. So that's going to that's going to elongate the decline of inflation because the more goods we can get to to the store, right, the 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 the, the uh, quicker we get back to equilibrium to where supply equals demand. Fair enough. So so that's part of the equation as well. Part of the other equation you said about unemployment, about jobs and things. We're starting to see the labor participation rate increase. In other words. We've spent we have spent about a year year and a half burning off inventory uh, because of the lockdowns around the world, uh, and now all of a sudden, boom! We turn the light switch back on, and 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 we have demand, and we've we've spent that time stimulating people, you know, with 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 payments, right, wrong, or indifferent, right, unemployment and other types of payments and stuff to keep everybody afloat, okay, and so now we've had the consumer who's got pent up demand. And they're feeling very, uh, uh, let's say, uh, very economic, I would say, because they have some excess cash uh, in, in their accounts, and they're starting to spend that down. So as a result of them spending that down, we're starting to see them go back to work again now. And so that's going to help when people go back to work to reduce inflation also. So a combination, and now we're starting to see the consumer pull back on some of their spending, like I was just mentioning, and so a combination of the consumer, you and I, pulling back on our spending, okay, but not rolling over and not spending, but pulling back on our spending. And while at the same time the Fed is starting to tighten uh, by, by doing its quantitative tightening programs, its bond programs, other operations, and as well as raising interest rates, now we're starting to see a combin that, that, that combination right there could slow the economy enough that it reduces prices but not enough that it pushes us into a recession. And that's what the Fed is going to try to do, Carlos, is give us a soft landing. So if it plays out that way, then we could see inflation start to track down. Now, if you look at the headline inflation at 8.5% and the target rate is 2, okay, when people are saying inflation is going to start to come down the second half of this year, they're not talking about coming down to pre-pandemic levels at 2%. You're probably – we are probably going to have inflation with us for the next few years, uh, 2023, 2025. I was talking to an economist uh, uh, you, you just or an analyst person just uh, – what was it, last week or the week before, and he was saying by the end of this year he thinks inflation, the headline is going to be around five or four and a half, but not two. It's going to take a little bit longer period of time for us to get us down to that level of two. Does that make sense? So, so what we're, what seems to be the graph in somebody's mind is that inflation peaks. Let's call it June, just to pick a month, 
and then plateaus a couple of months and then starts to track back down again. That's the way it looks. And whether or not it tracks down at a nice, easy slope or a dramatic, steep decline, that's, that's the question. The, the steep decline would push us into a recession if the Fed tightens down too quickly, too much. And, and you know, so that's, that's just kind of where, where it is right now. Where, you know, the economy is in mid-cycle range right now. And, and while we, we, are, we're having, we still have a strong consumer, we still have earnings being positive and growing, we still have expansion happening, and we're only mid-cycle in things. And, you know, it's, it's just not uh, the, the – I heard someone talking the other day, you know, are we moving towards a recession? Well, whenever you have a tightening of the economy, there is a ri- the risk of, an, of a recession goes up. So you're actually on that path. But there's a lot of other paths before you get to recession. There's a lot of things that have to happen between now and an actual recession. And a lot of people don't think that we're going to get there. So that's kind of the way that we see it, you know, as far as that goes. Your question is what can you do as an individual? The best thing you can do as an individual is to make sure that your financial plan is appropriate. Uh, you know, make sure your investments are, are, are acting for you and your family's needs today, as well as that they've been repositioned somewhat for today's current marketplace, rebalanced if you need. But don't, by any means, give up on your long-term perspective of, you know, you need to grow your money towards retirement. And then once you're in retirement, now you need a combination of income and growth at the same time because you need money when you're 65, 75, 85, and 95 down the road. So that's just my opinion on it. You know, there's no guarantees to it all, but it's, it's, it's report by report that comes out each and every month, and then we'll start to see the trend line. So I hope that kind of answers your question. But I tell you what, I'd like, to, I'd like to send you out our financial planning toolkit because the most important thing you can do is to make sure that, that you understand what's going on in your household, that, that your investments are allocated appropriately. How does that sound to you? Sure. sure. If I have another 20 seconds, I have one quick question. Sure. Um, having to do with or approved for a house loan right now, pretty decent rate. I'm just curious about whether, I mean, we've already priced the lumber. I'm doing my own subcontracting. It's crazy. Should we wait, stop? We're kind of in that conundrum as we speak, and I don't really know what to do. I have a lot of equity in my current home, but we do want to build a home together with a family, and I don't know whether to wait six months <laughs> to actually pull the plug, on, you know, or or pull the plug on it, or actually proceed. Um, no, I am not in a position right here today to tell you that. I really need to look at breaking down breaking down your your whole financial situation, and and the most volatile part of in, of inflation is the commodities. You know, so so do you have all everything purchased now? Is it on site, or are you still purchasing lumber and, and brick and stuff like that? You know, um, and, yeah. and wiring and in, and in, in uh, insulation and, and things like that. Those are the volatile pieces of, right. of of what goes into a house because of the commodity spike. You know, and and I tell you, you know, we we've seen oil prices now. Um, just the other day, earlier this week, it was down to ninety-four dollars a barrel. Now it's up over a hundred again. It's going up and down and all around. It's trying to find a direction yeah, uh, right. with, with it all, yeah, and and we're we're probably going to see it start to start to pull back down again uh, if 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 we start if we continue to see less movement and less consumption in China uh, as a result of yeah. their COVID spike. So so it's all over the place. I, you know, uh, the answer to your question from a 
10,000 foot view would be, you know, let's let's build out your financial plan. Then I'd be in a better position to tell you. But, you know, if it's a new home and it's where you want to raise your kids and have your family values and all that kind of stuff, you know, the, worry about the pricing years down the road. You know, there's there's a good chance that that that, you know, a lot of people that are buying homes today, seven years from now, they might be a little bit lower. Right. Uh, you know, it, trees don't grow to the sky. Right. They stop growing at some point and all assets go up and then they come back down and they go up and they come back down. But they do it on an escalating scale up on an ascending scale upwards. So it's kind of a timing type of a thing there. Uh, kind, kind of don't really have an answer for you. I really need to look at look closer, uh, more closer at your economics. So let me put you on hold here. Bob will get your contact information. We'll send you out our financial planning toolkit, and that will really draw a line in the sand and get you started on building the financial plan, and we can put that into the, the plan as well. So appreciate the phone call, Carlos. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Dial us up. It's open mic Saturday. Give us a call with any of your financial planning or investment questions. Estate planning, what's happening in your financial plan, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You know, Chris, in our, in our uh, Roth webinar, we had lots of questions on should you convert what what's the purpose of converting? How do you do it? You know, should you convert and then, uh, you know, should you pay the tax out of it? Just all kinds of things there. So so if you have questions on on the ins and outs of Roth conversions today, give us a ring eight five five Rose one two three. We're going to take another break. You listen to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. So many different ways to invest money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing. How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. On Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855 767 3123. That's 855 Rose 123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to The Larry Rosenthal 
the show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE123, to talk to Larry Rosenthal right here in studio. Larry? Last weekend, Chris, I was, uh, I was, uh, I had a great honor. I was, I was invited to a church in, in uh, Falls Church nice. to speak, and we did a whole session on uh, biblically-based money management. It was great, and, um, you know, we've, we've done many, many of these and uh, we're starting to get back out in, in the churches and, and, and talk about that. So if and we can do this Zoom as well all across the country. I actually did a not too long ago, a couple of months ago, I did a Bible-based money management class for a church via Zoom. And we had people all, you know, from the congregation, they, they, were, they were actually in their homes and, and there um, um, doing it. So if you're interested in, in me having a, a Bible-based money management class for your church, just uh, reach out to us. Give us a call, 855-ROSE-123, or go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and send us off an email. But we'll be more than happy to do that. We can structure the, the, the financial end of it. Uh, on however you want, if you want to learn the difference between different types of investments or if you want to do an estate planning or a charitable giving type of a program. You know, the Lord mentioned uh, money over 2,350 times about in the Bible, faith 491 and prayer 500, I think it was. And uh, uh, or maybe those two are reversed. But but anyway, you know, there, there's a lot to be said for it. You know, you, you can't serve two masters. You're either going to hate one or love the other. Right. Right. And uh, you can't serve both God and money at the same time. It's clear in Matthew what it says. So, so uh, you know, Bible-based money management has been a great program for. We've done a lot of churches church. over the years. It's been yeah, we've neat. been doing this in churches all over the place, and, yeah. and now with Zoom, we can do this across the country in different churches. So, more than happy to do that. Talk to your pastor. Talk to your. Uh, you know, your, your your education development team, if you'd like to do that, just reach out to us. Give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. Call us during the week or, or go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, ask us for that. You know, be more than happy to, to, to do that. Let's go ahead and welcome Nelson on the line from Missouri. Good morning, Nelson. How are you? Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. How can I help you, sir? I have a general, a conceptual understanding of a floating rate bond. I'd like to hear from you the more specifics. Uh, two things. I'm assuming it's a pretty good time to be in floating rate bonds. How do you exit them? I don't know the. Um, I don't know how the sausage is made. I know. I know what it's for. But I, I'd like to hear you get a little bit more into the sausage making of how they work and exiting from them and, and that kind of thing. Larry knows how to make sausage. I know that for sure. Yep, I've made lots of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so Nelson, that's a great question right now. And and for those that aren't familiar with it, what we're let me just give a little bit of education on it first. We're, we're our background. We're talking about bonds, fixed income, and there's two sides to the bond street. There's a, there's what's called interest rate sensitive bonds, and then there's what's called credit sensitive bonds. And floating rate bonds, the way you describe them, are credit sensitive. So here's the deal on your. Interest rate sensitive bonds, as interest rates go up one side, the price drops on the other. So you take a look at what's called duration risk. Let's suppose your bond has a duration risk of five and interest rates go up by 1% over the next 12 months, you're going to lose about 5% of your principal. So you have to ask the question, why do interest rates go up and down? 
and interest rates tend to go up when the market, when the economy is expanding and we have inflation because the Fed will raise interest rates. So now you want to move to the other side of the bond street called credit risk bonds, which is what you're referring to, floating rate bonds. And a floating rate bond tends to do well during a rising interest rate environment. It's just the opposite of the other traditional type corporate and government bonds, just the opposite. So you want to stay in floating rate bonds while we're in a rising interest rate environment. You do not want to be in floating rate bonds when we have a contraction, when interest rates go down, okay? So you just move back and forth across the street to each other based off of the rate of interest rate direction. Now, your question was getting into, and, and these are called senior secure debt floating rate bank funds, uh, floating rate bonds. It's the same, same type of thing. Your, your question was when do you exit these? Typically, you know, the, the cycle tends to be you, you get an interest rate rising cycle, then you get to a, a leveling, then from there you're either going to raise again or lower. Once you start to see rates lowering again, you, def you, you, you want to get out of floating rate bond funds, okay? Um, when the, the – and, and they tend to be yielding right now a little under 4%, um, and they're liquid in today, out tomorrow. Uh, you know, so that, that's, the, that's the scenario right there. Um, you know, um, does that kind of answer your question? A couple of things. So they are, they are loans uh, for a duration of about 180 days, basically. Usually 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Uh, they could go 180. They're very short, but, but, but they are very short loans. And, and the idea there is that these businesses that are borrowing the money on this short period of time, as interest rates keep climbing, okay, you're going to continue to get more valuable loans because they keep rolling over. And as the economy continues to expand, these businesses have the ability to keep on repaying because they're earning, they're growing, they're doing well. And so in a rising interest rate environment, that's what you want to have because so, the economy so is expanding. You're really, you're really not looking uh, – let me see how to word this. You're really not looking at any, any at all kind of uh, capital appreciation. That's not the issue. You're looking at the uh, – well, the primary investment objective of bonds to begin with is income, current income, whether it's interest rate sensitive bonds or floating rate bonds, okay? Now, if I have seen years when we've had floating rate bond funds, because an interest rate cycle will change and start to go up, return double digits in addition to the yield that you're getting, okay? Oh, so, oh, if, so, so it would be capital appreciation in that, in that correct. scenario. That yes. would be capital appreciation and really good yield. That's correct. Now, at some point, let's suppose that everything plays out perfect in the floating rate world, and you're getting to interest rates, you know, you know, up, up, you know, at some point, and then the economy changes and stalls. Now you're going to see interest rates drop. Now you move back to the credit. Uh, I'm sorry, the in, the interest rate sensitivity side of the street. Those bonds. And there you can get a good interest rate because they've been higher. And then as interest rates fall, you can get capital appreciation on them as well. Okay? 
So it's really interest rate driven and economic expansion or contraction driven. That's the way it works. And if you'd like, I'll, have, I'll be happy to send you out some information, sort of diagramming the both of those. We can we can uh, get you get you some information on the differences between those. I actually have a chart that kind of shows a listing of all the different bond funds out there, when and what to do with it all. I just have one last question. So the time you want to get out of floating rate bonds, who's going to buy them? Uh, who's on the other side of that trade? Why would anybody want to buy them and, and let me exit from them? I don't. Tell me about that. Well, I would suggest buying them in a mutual fund because there they're very liquid and the fund redeems the shares back to itself. You don't have to worry about the secondary market. They're buying it back from you. So we tend to use f bond funds in that arena rather than individual credit-sensitive bonds. Well, I've got an advisor that's uh, looking at uh, talking to me about, I think Oppenheimer used to have one, and um, and he's looking at um, uh, an another one. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of different mutual fund companies have them. And when you take a look at, Nelson, when you take a look at money that's going into a floating rate fund, you're, you're going to have different degrees of risk, okay? Some of them have what's called uh, covenant light. Um, other ones don't. Some of them uh, uh, juice up the yield through loans. Some don't. So there's a risk spectrum of those. Um, the, the more aggressive that type of a bond fund is, if rates really jack up and the economy continues to expand, you'll see more capital appreciation opportunities there. On the other hand, you might not. So it depends on your level of risk. So that's how I would look to break it all down. I'll put you on hold here, uh, Nelson, and, and we'll get uh, Bob to get your contact information. And we'll, we'll, I, I can have somebody give you a demonstration on the different types of floating rate bond funds that are out there and show you the history of them during rising cycles and, and lowering cycles. But that seems to be where you need to take your research next. So appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. Let's welcome Daniel on the line from Maryland. Thanks for holding, Daniel. How are you? I'm okay. Um, uh, Social Security, spousal benefit. Okay. Um, yeah, I heard. I was up in Philadelphia area and overheard uh, heard um, guy on the line talking about uh, the 65 still working, but a widower, and was considering taking his uh, uh, his wife's doing the spousal benefit of his wife's and allowing to allow his own to continue um, earning. Well, earning. Um, and uh, yeah, the advisor said that was a good idea. Uh, so I'm kind of curious how that uh, might work. Um, oh yeah, so it depends I, on what his normal retirement age is. Okay. Yeah, mine is uh, this year. Uh, full yeah, FRA full retirement age. And uh, was considering doing that. Um, I'm divorced, um, and my ex, who's older than I is already collecting. Um, yeah, so if you're both at full retirement age, then you can claim a spousal benefit, and you'll get the higher of the two. Oh, but you're not. But, but you're not yeah. going to be able to file and suspend anymore. That, that rule went away. And I actually have a software that we would put you through real quick, and it would show exactly what, what, what your benefit would be. 
Yeah, I didn't think you could like switch uh, that once you set it that that was it. Um, no, you can't file and suspend anymore. But you're going to get the higher uh, of the two, so there's well, no the need. There's no need to month. switch, you know. But if yeah, you're higher. if you're still working and you're at full retirement age, you can take your Social Security now without being penalized. So whichever one's higher is the one that you're going to take. Yeah, and well, and if you can hold it off. Um, then you get that, what is it, about an 8% increase each year? It'll go up about that to your age of 70, then it'll max out. Yeah. Now, when it comes to Social Security, when you're starting to take Social Security, um, if, you're, if you're not working and you're not taking Social Security and you're using some of your own assets to spend down, to say, you know, to live off of, that's not a good formula. No, I didn't right, know. because you you know think think about it. if Social Security is going to give you I don't know thirty thousand dollars a year and you decide not to take it for four years, you know you're 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 losing one hundred twenty thousand dollars of your own savings and investments. It's not worth getting a few hundred extra dollars when you're seventy years old. Um, uh, your break even points like age eighty, eighty one, something like that. Yeah, I saw the chart on that. Um, yep. Yeah. Now, now, what Social Security says is true is if you wait till age 70, you'll get the max, right? You'll get the maximum income. I was just talking to a friend of mine earlier this week about it. Uh, but but uh, it's really it really boils down to what your benefit's going to be. So we can go to, to SocialSecurity.gov, SSA.gov, pull down your benefit and take a look at that, plus put in a, 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 you know, a, a request on, on claiming your your ex-spouse's uh, partial benefit, you know, uh, things like that, and see which one maxes out for you best. That's really the best way to do it. Okay. Yep. Let me put you on hold here, and I can send some information out to you on, on, on the ins and outs and the timing of it. You know, taking Social Security, when you take it, is, is, is somebody's – I mean, it's a major financial decision, and so you want to look at all the different benefits associated with it. You know, and, and and as far as um, whether you need it now or maybe it's in your best interest to, to still defer it, I don't know. Um, but, you know, a lot of it just depends on how much money you've saved that can give you income when you finally stop working, right? Because if at, at some point you may need to turn your investments into streams of income, you know, tax efficiently from reliable sources and at the same time, be able to to get your social security so if your social security is too low because you take it too early that puts more stress on your investments and vice versa so it's a combination of taking a look at what you've saved over the years your savings investments what your income needs will be estimated when you ultimately retire so we can put all that together for you in what's called a social security timing uh scenario that we can run out for you i'll put you on hold daniel bob will get your information we'll have someone to give you a ring next week set up a meeting to do a Social Security analysis for you, okay? Okay. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. You know, under the retirement planning umbrella, you, if you will, there's so many different subjects to, to, to unpack and, and dive deep into. You know, we had a couple calls earlier here talking about um, uh, retirement goal setting. You know, somebody said their, their mom sold their home. What are their goals? That's one of the questions that you really have to ask. And 
you know, what are your goals with your investments? What what does your retirement finish line look like? When when do you want to retire? At some point, you're either not going to be invited back to work or you're just not going to go, right? Because you don't want to go anymore, right, Chris? So, I mean, Oh, you know, I love hey. going to work with you. I mean, I love oh, there it every you go. day. Yeah, no yeah I hear you. I hear you. All right, well, let's, let's, let's go ahead and pick up Jenny. Good morning, Jenny. Is this uh, Alabama or yes. Alaska? Alabama. Alabama. Okay, yeah, I couldn't tell what Bob put on the screen there. Sorry about that. Well, good morning, Jenny. How are you? Yes. How can I help you today? I'm, I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Um, my quick question is both my husband and I are retired, and I, I went ahead and I'm taking whatever they told me that was mine, and then he's taking whatever he was told is his. But are you, ta- are you saying that it, his is higher, of course, because I didn't make as much money as he did, um, that I can switch and get what he gets? Is that what you're saying? Are you both full retirement age? Yes, yes. Yeah, so you can look to see what his spousal benefit would be of yours, and I'm sure they checked, and they're giving you the higher of the two, either his spousal benefit or yours. So they do that in advance? Yeah, they're going to do that for you. You're going to be able to claim the higher of the two. That's correct. Okay. There there used to be, the other caller was talking about a file and suspend scenario from what I understood of his question, and, and that's gone now. You can't do that where where you would actually file and suspend yours and then take his partial benefit and allowing yours to grow later and then take yours again uh, and jump off mm-hmm. of that. You cannot do that anymore. Okay. But in this case, so you're going you're gonna to get, yeah, you're going to get the higher of the two. And they do that automatically, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yep. When you look at the when they do okay. the when you do the application, they'll 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 look at it. I mean, you know, there's millions of people getting on it all the time. I can't imagine that uh-huh. they wouldn't yeah. um, for for you. But but my understanding is that's how they do it. Okay. Okay. Well, then I can just call them and double check. You can do that. Yep. Absolutely. If you want, we'll we, we can help you out with it too. So. Um, oh, okay. Me, just call that same number. Yeah, I'll put you on hold, and Bob will get your info, and then uh, we'll, we'll we'll send someone out some information for you on that. Okay, I actually have a Social Security expert in my office. She knows. Oh, okay. She could write Thank the book you. on it. Yep, her name's Sonia. She could write the book oh. on it all. So I'll, I'll have Bob okay. set you Thank up with you. a phone call with Sonia, and she'll tell you more stuff about Social Security than you ever wanted to hear. How's that sound? Sounds good. Thank you. Let me put you on hold, Jenny. Happy Easter. Appreciate the phone call. Let's welcome Marianne on the line from Florida. Good morning, Marianne. How are you? I'm doing great. I just want to make sure the radio is okay. I'm driving. Um, hey, Larry, I heard your your uh, show a couple years ago, and I'm every Saturday when I can get to listen to it, I do. I love what I'm learning. Um, well, a couple years ago when you had you made some advice to do, you have an option to do high risk, low risk, buy stock, high risk, low, low risk. I took that information you gave to my husband. He acted on it immediately. And it was it was a great piece of advice because he made a lot of money with his on his 401k uh, moving stocks like that. He made a whole bunch, and then somebody came by us at the right time a few months later and said, "Hey, we, what he heard about um, stocks dropping," and he switched it out that night. He would have lost it all if, if he didn't switch out. So, thank you so much for what you do, Larry. Now you're talking today about so. And I turned 60. My husband, he's, I stay at home. 
he makes uh, good money. And so I will need information on, on uh, moving in that whole realm of Social Security and how to do it wisely. Um, my question is, when I, I think you can collect at 65, is that right? I'm so, Marianne, sure. you can start collecting at 62 if, you're not, if, if you wanted to. Whether or not you have earned income will play out as to if you get a penalty on it, you have to pay some of it back or not. But thank you for your kind words. I appreciate you being a longtime listener here. Um, so, so I can get you the Social Security information. I'll be happy to do that. I'm going to put you on hold, and Bob will get your contact information. I've got to close out the show here in just a moment. So let me put you on hold, and Bob will get your information, and we'll, have, uh, we'll get you set up with our Social Security expert in our office. How's that sound? Absolutely, we can handle that as well. So appreciate the phone call. I've got to, I've got to run here. We'll get 30 seconds left in the show. Let me put you on hold, and Bob will get your information. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks, Marianne. Uh, well, that's it, Chris. You know, we'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense. So, Bob, thanks for all your work. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.